Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Last week we looked about the 12 spies going into the land. They spied it out. It was a good land. And God had told them to go in and possess this land. But they had this idea. It was their idea to spy it out first. And I had never caught that before. I thought that was God's idea, that God told them to get some spies to spy out the land, but it was the people's idea. Now, God did have them get one representative from each tribe so that it would represent the whole nation. So of the 12 tribes, one representative went from each one, and they went to check out the land. Ten brought back a negative report. Well, two, Joshua and Caleb, implored the people to go in. They said, we can take the land. It's a good land. We can go in right now and take it. Unbelief and discouragement spread rapidly through the whole of the camp until it says everyone wept all night. They wept because they had accused God of leading them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness at the hands of these formidable giants. The spies saw giants in the land and they were like, God, you've brought us here to kill us by the sword. You've brought us here to die. They actually were upset because they would rather have died in Egypt as slaves or in the wilderness than to follow God and what he told them to do. When we focus on ourselves and our circumstances, our perspective gets skewed and we can act and react and say ridiculous things. Their initial murmuring began on the very night that they left Egypt when they were sure that Pharaoh's army would catch up with them and they would die. So it began right away. Soon as they're no sooner out of Egypt and they're already like, oh, great, now we're going to die. Pharaoh's going to catch up to us. He's going to kill us for leaving. They continued to complain against God. They complained for water. They complained for food. They complained for meat. And even Moses just wanted to die. Then here they're complaining anymore. He's just, God, just take me home. I just can't take it anymore. If you've ever been around chronic complainers, sometimes you're like, oh, it just pulls the soul right out of you. It's just, he'd rather die. The whole assembly wept all night because of something caused by their own unbelief. They wouldn't admit their own failures that they didn't trust and obey God. But instead, they decided to choose a new leader who would take them back to Egypt. And this is outright rebellion against God in the wilderness. They're like, I don't know if they could see the flame of fire or the pillar of cloud, but they're like, thanks, but no, we're going to choose somebody else and we're going to go back. Warren Wearsby says this, the will of God will never lead us where the grace of God can't provide for us or the power of God protect us. If our daily prayer is thy will be done, and if we walk in obedience to God's will, then what is there to complain about? A complaining spirit is evidence of an ungrateful heart and an unsurrendered will. In this camp, there were four men of faith of the whole assembly trying everything they could to change the situation. We have Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, and they're trying to address the whole of the assembly. They're trying to change the outcome. And at the end of last week's scripture, God showed up at the tent of meeting. Remember I said it's like when mom or dad has had enough and they're just like, that's it. Two siblings or others are fighting and mom and dad are just like, that's enough. God shows up at the tent of meeting. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces to intercede before God and Joshua and Caleb ripped their clothes 
and implored the people. They saw the people's sin for what it was. It was open rebellion against God in the wilderness. We're going to begin at verse 11. And at the beginning of that paragraph, it says in my Bible, Moses pleads for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people be disrespectful to me? And how long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs that I have performed in their midst. Now notice that God speaks with Moses and only Moses. He doesn't even address the people. He knows that they are past listening to him. They're not going to hear even God. Think about that. They're not even listening to God because their fear and unbelief came. And Moses and Aaron knew that they couldn't persuade them either. So they prayed and they knew that they must intercede to God if Israel is to be spared at all. God says this, verse 12, I will strike them with a plague and dispossess them, and I will make you, speaking to Moses, into a nation greater and mightier than they. Think about this for a minute. God is saying, we'll do away with these, and Moses, I'll give the thing to you, I'll give the promise to you. It can be through you. He's offered the position of becoming the father of the nation. Now, he's the one who penned about Abraham and Isaac. He knows the patriarchs. And God is offering this. And he says the promises of land and people and blessing. I'm going to give it through you, Moses. You can be the leader and father of the people. And this is a real offer from God. God isn't just toying with him. Moses had a similar offer in Exodus 32. Where God said, enough with these people. I'll have you be the leader of the nation. Now, Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And he maybe found this to be quite tempting because he was trained to be a leader of the people. He would be a Pharaoh in waiting, if you will. He could finally be the leader that he was born to be with this nation coming from himself. But here is a glimpse into the character of Moses. Instead of rising up and taking the offer, instead he prays for God to forgive the people. He has become a true leader. He's more concerned every time the wrath of God is coming, he's concerned about the people. Moses isn't concerned about Moses. Think about that for a minute. God gave us the same offer. We, would, we might actually have to, have to consider that. Let's see. You know, all these people rebelling, complaining all the time. I could be, I could be the father of the nation. But here it is, verse 13. But Moses said to the Lord... Then the Egyptians will hear of it. For by your strength you brought the people up from their midst. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are in the midst of this people. Because you, Lord, are seen eye to eye. Well, your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you put this people to death at once... The nations who have heard of your fame will say, since the Lord could not bring this people into the land which he promised them by an oath, he slaughtered them in the wilderness. This is what Moses is saying to God. It's almost like he's saying to God that sin and rebellion of men was greater than the power and goodness of God. So he's bringing before God his words, his character. He continues, so please let the power of the Lord be great. Just as you have declared saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in mercy. And I'm thankful for both of those things. Forgiving wrong, wrongdoing and violation of his law. But he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. 
inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Please forgive the guilt of this people in accordance with the greatness of your mercy, just as you have also forgiven this people from Egypt until now. What a prayer. This is him interceding. This is him standing between the people and God as that mediator. And he's saying, don't destroy this people. You are revealing your character and this is what you've said and this is who you said you are. He reminded God of his promises and words. And friends, sometimes in prayer, we, we can do that. We can say, God, you said this. And give him the verse and remind him of his words and his character. He implored God not to give the nations a chance to think that Israel's God had not been able to do what he said. He asked God to show mercy and forgiveness to even the rebellion of the people. Moses is in essence saying, you have revealed yourself to me by your word. Your word reveals who you are. Now please treat your people according to who you have declared yourself to be by your word. And here Moses is not concerned for his own life, but only for Israel. And he demonstrates the heart of God. And that's what makes this intercession of Moses so moving or so impactful. Because he is showing what God's heart is like. This may have been God's intention all along. To develop and draw out of Moses this kind of heart. Transforming Moses into the image or character of his son. Long before the time of Jesus. And this is God's desire in us. The longer that we walk with God, he wants to get less and less of who we are. He wants, like for myself, he wants less and less Mike. He wants more and more Jesus. And he will work in those things in my life. My friend used to ask me, does God just want to crush us to powder? So he asked me. And I said, yes. Yes, because he wants us to be like his son. And there's things within us character flaws or things in our heart that are not pleasing to him and he'll work on to get rid of. And here's Moses who's changed. Remember Moses who took on it and killed the Egyptian because he took it all into himself. Oh, God called me to be the deliverer of the people. I'll do it my way. And it says he struck down and killed the Egyptian. And here's God working in his heart. And he even a, a viable offer from God to be the leader of the, and father of the nation. And Moses is like, no, I'm concerned about this people. These are your people. And he reminds God. And this is what it says, verse 20. So the Lord said, I have forgiven them in accordance with your word. That is powerful. Highly profound. Moses is asking God to keep his word and his character before the people. And God says back to Moses, at your word or at your request, I will forgive them. Moses' prayer mattered. It saved the lives of all of Israel. If you have ever wondered if prayer matters, if our prayers are important, here is a great example of a man interceding on behalf of others where God hears his prayers and acts. He didn't just listen to them. That's a nice discourse, Moses. I really like that dissertation. He does something and he says, at your word, because you have asked me, I will do this. And God does that with us. He wants us to petition, to intercede, to pray. We should pray as if all life and death and heaven and hell would be decided by our prayers. Sometimes we don't pray enough. We don't pray with fervency. We don't add fasting to it and pray as if something's going to happen. This is where faith needs to come in. We want to pray as it's coming to pass. 
Continuing on verse 21. However, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Certainly all the people who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and the wilderness yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, they shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of these who were disrespectful to me see it. So again, like I said, when they're arguing and siblings are arguing and mom and dad is like, that's it, that's enough. And then they bring forth what's going to happen. God says that this is it. This is what's going to happen. Those who rebel against God deny his wisdom. They question his love and invite God to discipline them. It's as if we're telling God in these moments that we know better than him or that his intentions are bad. And we are calling him to, almost calling and challenging him on his character. But as I shared last week, as it says in Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. God is trustworthy and true, and him we should believe. He says, but verse 24, but as for my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Caleb has a different spirit. Remember, they all saw the same things. They saw the same giants, the same fruit, the same land, the same fortified cities. Caleb and Joshua are like, it's ours for the taking. We're going in and taking it. And the people were like not having anything to do with it. He believed God at his word and trusted his power. His declaration of faith seemed unsuccessful when Israel wouldn't hear him. But he was commended by God. It's what God thinks that matters most. Don't allow the multitude to change your spirit or weaken your faith. Caleb stood strong. He didn't just go with the crowd when they're all saying negative things. He was like, no, no, no. No, let's go in and take it. And it says even tours closed him and Joshua to say to the people, we're going to be rebelling against God. Don't do this. And God says, he has followed me fully. Friends, at the end of it all, my prayer is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what it's about. He followed him fully. I don't want to be at the end and God goes, you only gave me 20%. I wanted you to follow me fully, but you only, only had a bit of your heart involved. I want to be like Caleb and say, I want to follow you fully. I want to believe your word and I want to trust what you say. Verse 25, now the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys. Turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. This is God speaking. This is the next instruction. So all this has happened. God has settled the matter. He's given his verdict and he says to them, move on. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long, and I'm using my own emphasis, how long shall I put up with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel in which they are voicing against me. And last week I talked about being careful about our complaints. They were heard, God heard their complaining even in the privacy of their own tents. And now here they are publicly doing it. And I just had this, for the ageless, eternal one, God says, I'm God and I change not. To ask a second time about how long he should tolerate the grumbling people is telling. It even wears the eternal God out. Even God is like, how long do I have to do this? How long should I put up with these people? Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. 
All your numbered men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. At that time, you would hope that you were 19 years old. <laughs> this generation will die in the wilderness, and they will never see the promised land. As if God said to them, you didn't want it when I offered it to you and told you to go take it. Now you will never see it. You'll never have it. They prefer death to walking by faith. Think about that. God says, go in and take it. Do this, whatever it be, go in and do it. They would choose death instead of that. And sadly, God would actually make that their reality. By no means will you come into the land where I swore to settle you, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. God has said, by no means. So there was no sacrifices they could make. There was no prayers they could pray. There was nothing they could do. By no means would that happen. His word is firmly established. And he calls out Joshua and Caleb before all the people for their faith in him. And he says, I will bring you into the land. You will get to enter in and your descendants after you. Verse 31, your children, however, whom you said, and God is saying what they said to him in their complaint. You said they would become plunder. I will bring them in and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. Also, your sons will be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your bodies perish in the wilderness. And friends, not even Moses and Aaron were exempt. They weren't named along the two that could go in. They would not enter the promised land. Moses was not without guilt in this whole situation because he agreed to the request of the people. When they came to Moses and said, we should send some men to spy out the land, Moses agreed with them. That was not what God told him to do. And he was not without guilt. Israel had claimed concern for their children. They had made it like that was one of their reasons that they were complaining. Was God, you brought us here. Our wives are going to be taken as plunder. Our children are going to be killed. They accused God of wanting to kill or harm them. Instead, their children would inherit the land. Well, they died in the wilderness. My friend and I were having a conversation years ago, and, and I remember him saying, like, could you imagine? I mean, you know Joshua and Caleb, it says, we'll enter the land. But could you imagine? So it's the 38th year, 39th year, and you're just waiting for those last couple of guys to die off. I mean, honestly, it's like, I was like, you never thought about that. But it says that they will die in the wilderness, everyone 20 and above. They're given a 40-year sentence for their rebellion. One year for every day that they spied out the land. But do note, Joshua and Caleb had to endure the 40 years along with everyone else, although they did not do wrong. They stayed true and faithful to God. They didn't rebel or sin. But this should encourage us today as we go through trials and as we go through tough experiences, we look forward like they did to God's promise. Friends, he is faithful to us to the end. Not gonna leave us, as I said last week, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He can't just bring us so far and then he can't be found. He will take us to the end. This is an important lesson. Remember last week as I was bringing this forth about what can we learn from this? Is it a warning? Is it something about God's character? These are something that we can learn from. This is an important lesson for us today. This became a turning point in Israel's history. It says this, Psalm 95 in verse seven. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts 
as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said they are people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter into my rest. Psalm 106, 24 through 27. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in his word, but they grumbled in their tents. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he swore to them that he would cast them down in the wilderness and that he would cast their seed among the nations and scatter them in the lands. And in Nehemiah 9, 16 through 17. But they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds which you performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. God still cared for them for 40 years. It says of them that their clothes didn't wear out, the sandals didn't wear out on their feet. God provided for them manna every day, provided for them. He did not forsake them. They forsook him. He never forsook them. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land and who returned and led all the congregation to grumble against him by bringing a bad report about the land, those men who brought the bad report of the land also died by a plague in the presence of the Lord. Those 10 spies were dealt with immediately. They died right then for their rebellion and they led the people in rebellion against God. Again, this is written, it should be warnings to us. Remember last week I said when, when they were complaining, they actually turned, instead of seeing the situation and doing what they were supposed to do, they turned, accused God of wrongdoing and they accused God of, of harming them. Verse 38, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those men who went to spy out the land. Now when Moses spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people mourned greatly. Judgment was instantaneous on those men. And they could see, oh, there's 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb are still alive. They knew exactly what was going on. The people were truly sorry, as many people are sorry for the consequences of their sins. But they were not so sorry as to turn their hearts and truly trust in God. You hear those apologies all the time of politicians or actors and things, musicians who basically they're just sorry they got caught. They're only sorry when, when they're caught and there's proof. These folks were not truly trusting in God. They, weren't, they didn't learn their lesson at this point. Verse 40, in the morning, however, they got up early and went to the ridge of the hill country saying, here we are and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. But Moses said, why then are you violating the command of the Lord when doing so will not succeed? Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you to prevent you from being defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will be there to confront you, and you will fall by the sword since you have turned back from following the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they foolishly dared to go up to the ridge of the hill country, Neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses left the camp. And the Amalekites, the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and struck them and scattered them 
as far as Hormah. So God says, go in and take the land. Not going to do it. God says, keep moving. We're going to go in and take it. They admit their sin, but their hearts were not changed. They wanted to do God's will their way on their terms. And friends, we can make the same mistake. God will give us something that he wants us to do. We need to do it God's way. Remember when Joshua was going into the promised land and God, they came upon Jericho and God said, you're going to march around it seven times over those days. You're going to blow the trumpet and all the instructions. We've got to do what God says God's way. When we want to do God's will our way, it could be an outright rebellion. When we try to do God's will our way, it won't work. It didn't work for them and it won't work for us. They made an attempt to accomplish what they had rejected by faith and it ended in defeat. Now God already told them, you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And guess what they end up doing after that defeat? 40 years in the wilderness. Friends, there's so much that we can learn from this story. And it's one of those times I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just search your heart. Is there times in our lives, maybe even thinking back, where God's asked us to do something or, or commanded us to do something and we've just refused? Maybe we have accused God, as we looked at last week, where we've accused God of wrongdoing or, or wanting to harm us when he has our best interest at heart. He is the good shepherd. He leads us by still waters into green pastures. Yet we can do what the enemy does, the accuser, and we can accuse God of doing those things or bringing us harm. And friends, if you have accused God of bringing harm or leaving you in a, in a pinch, just ask today that you just ask him to forgive you. I love this character that Nehemiah says as Nehemiah is looking to build the wall and he's reminding these things of God and he says, you're a God of forgiveness. Friends, our God is a God of forgiveness. It says he's gracious and compassionate. It says his compassions fail not. His mercies are with us every day. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.